Good morning and or afternoon, listeners. This is the Inciting Moment podcast. And with you on this particular day is myself, Ian. Uh, who else here is with me? Hi, I'm Sam. I'm he who walks between the rows. Heidi, I'm James. I am Scott. And I am also Scott. That's right, we have another. Which will <laughs> not be confusing in the slightest. <laughs> Which is complied. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're joined by our first guest on the podcast. Uh, in this case, uh, Scott's dad, who is also Scott. Which, uh, for the remainder of the episode, uh, to get around some unnecessary confusion, we are going to refer to uh, our longer-running member of the podcast as Scott Jr., uh, Scotty, um, and basically any other nickname that comes to mind. Uh, oh but boy. mainly Scott Jr. Good. Oh, we'll have fun with that. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> so, Scott, as natural with uh, having newer um, members on the podcast, we've done this before, uh, we've asked each person to name at least one particular film that they consider to be in their favorite list it's not their like absolute best film uh just a film that uh you can share with us that essentially gives us an idea of what kind of movies you like what, what, what which ones you look for when you uh decide to sit down and watch a flick or two i guess it's going to depend on era because my favorite films um have a tendency to be older um one of my favorite uh, films that I actually just watched this week is a film from Alfred Hitchcock called To Catch a Thief with Cary Grant. Mm, okay. okay. Hitchcock, so, very good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, love, you know, kind of love that uh, uh, that kind of film. But certainly, you know, current films or films in the last, you know, 10 years or so. Um, geez, that's a great question. You know what? I, I, I enjoy the genres. Like, I, I really enjoy... Um, sci-fi. Um, okay. What one of Preacher which brother. Uh, we'll touch on? Well, unless you include Megamind as sci-fi, I'm not sure. Um, eh, you like... know that we'll touch on today, but uh, it's not specific to a film, um, but it's mm -hmm. it's more like the the type of film. And I think a lot of it depends on the kind of mood I'm in. You know, Fair like okay. if, if yeah, if oh, like if I'm, I'm in a you know romantic mood, then I'll have my you know my wife pick out a movie and she can start watching and I can leave. Right, enough, as you do, um, and, and then you know, grab my iPad and you know, go turn on a sci-fi movie in the other room. An actual good Got movie. You. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so that's the kind of stuff that uh, you know, the genre that I enjoy. Got you. Uh, can you comment on your son's taste of mu uh, uh, movies? Oh no. I, li I like how he says, "Oh no." Um, <laughs> that's before, his before he starts speaking. Uh, um. You know what? I try not to comment on anything Scott does because it's always a sad, <laughs> depressing <laughs> conversation. Oh. Well, you know, oh, it, it's it, it, no, it's actually really funny because you know he and I totally didn't do this, so shame on me. Um, you know, he said, uh, you know, that we're going to talk about uh, like a music video or, or something like that. I think Ian, you and I very briefly talked about this a week or so ago when you invited mm. me on the show um and and he <laughs> he told me the music video which i like 10 o'clock last night and i totally 
have no idea what he was talking about. I, di- I didn't look for it. I didn't find it. So shame on me. But the kind mm-hmm. of music Scott likes is not the kind of music that I like. In a so, similar uh, boat myself. But uh, hey, I mean, it's just his taste. Uh, I mean, I have to check the terms. Of, we should probably check the terms of service for uh, Spotify and whatever we post this on. Because I, I think we just saw a murder. <laughs> poor Scott. Poor Scott even <laughs> a chance. Um, so we should Ooh. check that before we get banned. <laughs> right, right. We we don't want to incite violence or encourage it or anything like that. So 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 we'll definitely have to. Uh, double oh, this will be a household affair. I don't think you have to worry about that. However, mm-hmm. bullying we do condone. Yeah, sorry, well, Scott I mean, Jr. It, this is not going to be a fun episode for you. No, it it, it is. You know, the good thing about you know uh, our home is we allow anyone to do you know what they like and to watch what they enjoy, even if you know what they enjoy is you know very sad and terribly depressing. Well, that's <laughs> Again, why you have yeah. terms of service. That's how you have the tablet, so you can watch the sci-fi movie in the other room. <laughs> yeah, technology. Amazing. Well, you know, kind of, kind of touching on that music video. Why don't we segue on into that topic? So, this is, I believe, the second time that we've actually uh, decided to touch upon the music department of uh, entertainment media. Once before, we talked about it uh, in regards to Daft Punk split up and just our overall experiences with them uh, but this time around uh scott hit me up with a recent music video from one of his favorite bands uh trivium and uh scott uh do you mind uh sort of explaining who the band is and uh why this music video in particular you thought hey you know what let's uh let's talk about it scott jr of course <laughs> i should have made that clear <laughs> Um, well, Trivium is a band, uh, that I've been listening to for quite a few years. Um, Mm -hmm. I was introduced to them in high school and I've been listening to them ever since. They are a kind of a blend of three different types of heavy metal, uh, deathcore, death metal, and thrash metal. This music video was released... A month ago, a month ago, uh, di- mm-hmm. with the single off their new album coming out this year, which is funny because they came out with an album last year, so they've been busy during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gotcha. And I just think the music video is really well shot and really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 was the first major uh, thing I noticed with it. Uh, the production value, at least compared to the last time I actually watched a music video, which I think was uh, sophomore year of high school. I'm not usually one for music videos, um, at least in that capacity. I'll go into more on that later. But uh, this this was an interesting one. And for someone who does not listen to a lot of metal, unless it has a specific kind of sound, um, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was uh, it, it slapped in many areas in regards to the actual music itself. Um, the video itself, yeah, uh, I have to agree that it was uh, well shot and other things. Um, general thoughts from other people uh, before we go into nitty gritty stuff. What what did we think, James? Do you want to start us off? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I haven't listened to a lot of heavy metal myself. I, I don't have anything against the genre. It's just uh, a lot of times, especially when the singers get real guttural, I literally cannot understand what they are saying. It's another language that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, with, with this song, there was a lot of that. But the 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 music video itself, which have we said what the song is? Uh, in the Court of the Dragon. Yes. There was a lot of interesting imagery there. Uh, they, they clearly were forming some form of narrative. And mm-hmm. I, I think that was interesting how they did, uh, like, sprinkle little icons and little symbols throughout. And you slowly build up to, like, kind of an understanding of what those are. It's kind yeah. of standard metal affair in terms of, you know, iconography. It's about these mystical mm-hmm. symbols and that kind of jibber-jabber. Uh, well, I guess I'll go to my thoughts since go I interrupted. Ahead. Sorry about that, James. No, I, I mostly <laughs> said my piece. Um, in terms of the music video, it was it, I think it was very well directed. Uh, you know, it was, it was clear mm-hmm. for the most part. It wasn't like you could tell this wasn't some guy on a camcorder going, "Okay, guys, let's make a let's make a music video." This actually had some production value to it. I, I dug the song. I, I I've recently been getting kind of into metal a little bit, so I can I, I can translate it a little bit. I'm probably not into it like Scott. Who's probably got like Misfits posters all over his uh <laughs> room? Oh, I don't <laughs> listen to the Misfits. They <laughs> know. Uh, I'm granted they're punk, I know, but punk is just kind of like a, a step up to metal almost in a way. It wasn't the greatest thing I ever saw. You know, I, I don't want to say it's bad because it's not. Like I said, it has good production value. I like the song. I, it, it, when you actually look into the lyrics, it it sounds like more of a song of transformation. You could see mm-hmm. it in the music video a little bit. With, the uh, transformation is definitely a big part. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it, if you look through the lyrics, it's about a, it's talking about Dragon Gate and how it, the mystical Japanese tale of how koi, if it goes, if it jumps through this Dragon's Gate, it will become a dragon. And I think the main character is supposed to be this koi, that blonde guy. The, the, I'm guessing he's the singer of the band because that's he is how, not. Oh, he is really? not. No, he's not. Okay. No, no, none of the band members actually show up in the uh, music video. Okay, now, a little more research would have prevented me from looking like a fool. <laughs> but, but, yeah, sorry, I had to put you on blast, Sam. And, no, Didn't it's all good. It. I don't like to listen to garbage. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, okay. I, I'm kidding. I'm oh, kidding. No. Okay, sorry. But no, uh, like I said, I, I really liked it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to shut up now to give someone else a little bit of a talking. But I, like I said, real quick, I like how the main character was transformed throughout the music video, like with the starting of the chocolate syrup being put on him or whatever that was. <laughs> uh, the Venom symbiote. Yeah, whatever that was. But overall, I liked it. It's just... I'm not, I'm not too familiar with music videos because I never really got into them. So that is mm-hmm. my piece. But can you speak yeah. on music videos in general? Well, to, you know, it's interesting because, you know, at, at my ripe young age, I was actually around when music videos were born. MTV, um, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Back when MTV actually used to do music uh, videos. Um, and... You know, I, I think it's it's a lot different today than it was in the early days of music videos. And, and by that, I mean, you know, cable was relatively new. And the only way you could see these were literally by watching MTV. All the young eyes were tightly focused on that network, you know, mm-hmm. and then VH1 came out and kind of, you know, had a softer approach. Yeah, today it's interesting because you can see them everywhere. 
Oh, you know, man. you can see them on, you know, you can see them on YouTube. You can see them, you know, mm-hmm. on, you know, independent uh, platforms. You, you know, I, honestly, I don't even think MTV plays music videos anymore. And again, as you know, somebody who's been around for a little while, I don't even know what's on, you know, I, I think MTV is more of like a, you know, a, re, a reality TV network, mm, you know, maybe, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, a decline so, so over it, the last it, couple decades. Yeah, I mean, it's it, for me, it's it's different because you know, being around in the early years of it, you know, everything was new, everything was different, everything was kind of, you know, uh, reaching or, or or kind of, you know, stretching that envelope, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Where today, you know, it's it's a little bit, uh, you know, it, it's harder to come up with. Uh, you, you know a unique idea when it comes to a music video mm-hmm. yeah would anyone happen to agree with me when i say that as the years went on with music videos that it almost seemed like uh kind of like this one they they tried to have a little bit more of a narrative yes uh yeah i, I feel like that's what a lot of things go for uh that that's always the ones that grab me the most is where it almost feels like the the song was made for the video more so than the other way around even though that's not actually how that works or at least not how it's supposed to right i uh, when the visuals match the the song it's always a lot more engaging kind of another question to to, to kind of continue off from that one uh do you think because uh, <laughs> something that i've always taken away is that while there are a lot of music videos that clearly try to have some kind of narrative that you're supposed to kind of take away from after uh, finishing the video, do you think that uh, oftentimes when there is a narrative, it's still up in the air as to what's actually going on? Because if I had to talk about one big thing about the music video that Scott had us watch, I could tell that in the video there were uh, a couple split off story threads that are all happening at the same time and i can see uh visually what's going on which is always important when you're working in a visual medium kind of a no-brainer but Mm -hmm. as like a overall story that's supposed to link the three together i was a little lost a little bit and i was wondering if everyone else here that seems to be a a theme with a lot of music videos uh today or or rather when uh, music videos started implementing more of a narrative into them because th- there's plenty i've seen where i'm just like i th- there's probably something going on but i i can't pick up on what um for me from the way i see it i feel like when music videos really started becoming a thing via mtv um there they can the connection was a bit different than it is today. It, back then, it was is was supposed to be just a direct video, a visual part of the musical nature of it. You know, that's it, a stupid way to put it. It's supposed to be a company piece. It's supposed to be the visual to the audio. Yeah. For example, like when you look at videos, like, uh, oh my god, it's a really popular song. Uh, you got this. I believe. Take on me. By a there you go. Oh yes, yes. Fantastic yes. Like, can you, music video. If you look at those, if you look at those lyrics, do any of them have some uh, about uh, this comic guy coming to the real world? You know, no. It's 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 a 
cool visual product to put alongside the music. Right. And and I think as the music videos evolved, the viewpoint changed on them in which they're they're more tied to the song. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? So that, that's how I think it's changed over time. And I just want to say one thing real quick. just want to do a little quick shout out to a man that many people probably don't even know. His name is Russell McCull- McCulley? How do you pronounce mm-hmm. that? McCulley, uh, who was a music video director who worked on such hits as the Bugle's Video Killed the Radio Star, Duran Duran's oh, Hungry Like the Wolf, okay. Spandau Bullet, Fleetwood Max, Gypsy, Total Clip of the Heart from Bonnie Tyre, uh, Rod Stewart's Young Turks. He done everything. So I, I just wanted a quick shout out because I, I heard him before and I, I love all his music videos. And he's like one of the big ones from like the 80s, 90s. So just wanted to make a quick shout out. Oh, yeah. I, uh, the, the experience I mostly had with music videos, especially growing up, was less uh, videos made by the bands and companies that the songs came out from and more videos made kind of secondhand by fans of the songs themselves, oh, okay. uh, which are like all over the place on YouTube. There's a lot of especially animated um, music videos, which I, I feel often uh, well, s- sometimes take the lyrics a bit literally since they didn't really write them, but oftentimes mm-hmm. make very... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Engaging visuals. If I would also call out uh, an example that's just free to watch on YouTube, there's a channel called uh, Mystery Ben who creates these animated music videos for the Mystery Skulls. And through like three or four songs, they've made a whole overarching narrative Hmm. with these animated characters that's just really fun to watch. Oh, I got you. I th- I think I've seen a couple of those ones, and yeah, it's very stylized. Oh, it's. Very I'd have good. to agree. People should go and check that out. Um, it's it's funny with me because I did not see many music videos from like actual big bands and stuff like that until I want to say late middle school. Uh, like for example, obviously Gorillas was all over the place when they were doing mm-hmm. their music videos. I mean, you can't escape those especially if you are big fans of the gorillas um and i think a couple snippets came up in like commercials at the time uh oddly enough on cartoon network with uh feel good ink and stuff like that um interesting place to have that but where i saw most (laughs) music videos most of the ones i saw were actually the ones that were written for movies and therefore were bundled on dvds and vhs tapes uh and the ones that immediately come to mind were the two music videos that were written for the very original toby mcguire spider-man movie um my goodness those two are are huge huge time capsules of the early 2000s i mean uh i i forget that nickelback wrote a song for it which by the way uh, only good nickelback song uh yes yes hero and uh i mean it's so cheesy it's so just you know in your face with just how much angst is in it and all that and just building up like oh yeah heroes i can save you and all that. Um, and then you got another one that was written for that called Sum 41. And I think that one has even less to do with uh, to- 
the, the movie itself. Because literally, it, it's them saying, Rock! That's what we're all about! Yeah! Go scream and shout! And there would be sometimes clips of Spider-Man swinging around. I, I don't know what the connection was to all that. Uh, the only thing that you end up getting is uh, they, they have the shot of Spider-Man hanging upside down on the, uh, on the ceiling when he's hiding. Uh, and below him is just the crowd of, of people in, in, the, uh, in, <laughs> in the music video. I, I don't know what the connection is, but I, I loved it regardless. It is a special kind of cheese. Um, but then eventually I actually started looking back at older, very renowned um, music videos. I think the one that I was blown away by the most had to have been Take On Me, but also uh, Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer. That was entirely stop motion, and it still holds up today. Uh, it is amazing. And frankly, it also just accompanies the uh, the video itself, yeah. You know, all these talks of old music videos are really making me think about the future, and mostly about the Tomorrow War. Mm, yes, the War of Tomorrow and all that jazz. Yes. Oh, let me tell you, uh, this was this was an interesting addition to Amazon Prime. Uh, let's get right into that. Um, the latest yeah. Amazon exclusive. That was uh, a nice segue, by the way. Like, you know what? <laughs> Sam's I, pretty I good at I, that. He is the segue I, I, man. I learned it from James. <laughs> he stole it from James. <laughs> he stole it from James and called and it. And does his it own. better? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, deceiver. if you admit it, I, I guess it's not that bad of plagiarism, perhaps. But not. Th that's not that's not talking about the present. Let's move on to the future. Tomorrow, and the day after tomorrow from that, and then also another good film tomorrow. we should talk about later. But okay, sorry, that was a, mm -hmm. that was a yes. but of course, <laughs> uh, the Tomorrow War. So this is a recent Amazon Prime exclusive that was released, I think, about a month ago. Um. And what it is, is that it is a sci-fi film about uh, Earth having these visitors from the future, several decades into the future, um, talking about how um, there is this uh, extremely powerful alien force that is threatening the human race. And what they have done is that they have figured out how to manipulate time and therefore travel into the past uh in true uh samurai jack fashion minus the sword sadly but uh they essentially come back in time to present day uh earth to warn people hey we have to prepare and get things going so they begin setting up shop in the past which is where uh chris pratt and his family uh reside um, a few years go ahead after they make their grand debut in the past, and uh, things have kind of taken a shitty turn, mainly because uh, they need practically everyone on the planet to band together and help with this, to the point where they have uh, a, a obscenely large draft system going on to get a large portion of the earth's population to actually serve as soldiers uh fighting in the future or as they call it the tomorrow war against these aliens and uh chris pratt uh happens to be drafted uh and 
because of that, he has to uh, partake in this war and fight in it to uh, protect, you know, humanity from practically disappearing. And uh, along the way, he's also dealing with uh, the the issues of leaving his family behind in order to help with this and, uh, you know, also kind of even in the future dealing with some of it, which we'll get into once we, of course, cover spoilers. So to open this on up, general thoughts, what did we think of Amazon's The Tomorrow War? Uh, you know, honestly, I would like our guest to start if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, sure. Scott Sr., what did you think of The Tomorrow War? I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I had to set aside, see, 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 one of the things about when I, when I sit down to watch a movie, I try to understand that there's going to be certain expectations of things that happen mm -hmm. in films that I mm -hmm. know are going to annoy me. Um, and I don't know if, you know, uh, if we step into the spoiler alert, uh, moment, things like. You know, he leaves his family and his little, what, seven-year-old daughter or whatever and moves to the future. And that little seven-year-old daughter is now basically the woman who's trying to save the entire, you know, the entire planet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I kind of knew that was coming, but I also, it, it didn't bother me because some of the reviews that I had you know, seen on this, you know, people are just like, oh my God, you know, it was so obvious that, you know, his, the little girl was going to end up being, you know, pivotal into the, and I'm, I'm like, of course it was, you idiot. What are you expecting these kinds of, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's like, it's like, well, what, what are you, he's going to go to the future and you're never going to see the little girl again. No, of course he's going to the future and that girl is going to be, you know, have a pivotal role, you know, in the film. So, you know, so, so it's a kind of thing where I expected that. Now, there were certain elements of this that I really, really enjoyed, you know, mm -hmm. and by that, I mean, I really, you know, I, I love the concept of, you know, the, the, you know, the future, what, 30 years, you know, 30 years in the, or 50 years in the future. No, I guess it was 30 because she wouldn't be that old. So yeah, yeah, 30 years in the future that, you know, that there's a war going. What I didn't like, and I don't know why I didn't like it, but it was just, it, it just, you know, I thought they could have done something better is that the aliens have been here forever and it was because of global warming, you know, and, and the ice melting that brought them out into the world. Mm -hmm. That, that I didn't love so much because it's like, okay, you know, skip the message. Let's just have a good, you know, alien attack the planet and, and destroy and kill everybody. Um, uh, -huh. You know that that I didn't love so much, um, but you know other aspects of you know how things that, like the only you get drafted is because thirty years in the future you're actually dead. That mm -hmm. I thought was very clever. Yeah, there's a lot of little you know? things that are pretty interesting. They bring up. Well, yeah, but, you know because because they're you know when it comes to time travel, you know we always you know fear, you know, the paradox of, of seeing yourself in the future and all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting how they handled it. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought they did a, you know, I thought they did a nice job. And, and you know, I love the aliens. I thought the aliens were, you know, very cool from the, oh, they, you know. They were nightmarish. Uh, 
Yeah, for, from a you know from a concept of a you know an alien, if you will. Um, you know that that was that was real cool. You know, and it was mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and it was it was interesting that you know that when you get to the future, there's literally only five hundred thousand people on the planet alive. You know, it's, yeah. it, 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 it it was, it, you know, I just, I, I, I thought they did a really nice job with it. Um, as long as you can, you know, turn off your brain, you know, yeah. It, as long as you can, you know, I, I mean, you know, way, way back in history when, you know, theater w- was real big, um, you know, in Roman times, there, there was a, you know, I don't know if it was, don't know who it was but but there was a a, a famous you know uh, uh, playwright that used to say you know watching a show you have to have a, a you know a given suspension of disbelief you know you're not mm-hmm. watching something real but mm-hmm. you have to be able to kind of set that aside to be able to enjoy it oh yeah mm-hmm. you know and and that was something that i felt with this you know there, there were certain aspects of the film that are you know kind of like the you know oh my god really but if you can set that aside and just look at it as kind of, you know, you know, popcorn, you know, mm-hmm. just watching, watching a movie and enjoying it. I really, you know, I, I really got a kick out of it. I, I found it, you know, very entertaining. Um, you know, I thought the characters were pretty compelling. You know, you, you had your stock characters, you know, you know, the funny, Passable. funny sidekick, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, but in general, you know, I, I enjoyed it. So what were you guys thoughts? Yeah. I, if I can segue, go ahead. Oh, you can't. Oh, but of course. Oh, <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I liked it a lot. I thought I loved the design of the aliens, and I felt a lot of suspense throughout the movie. I mean, my favorite scene was the stairwell scene. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when, when they first land the first time yeah mm-hmm. yeah when you first see them yeah i thought that scene was really well done and oh my god there is so much bloodshed mm-hmm. oh yeah. yes uh, that's kind of part of it's a very films. violent and brutal movie and i enjoyed it um oh, yeah i just love alien movies i can't help myself um mm-hmm. and i think a lot like there were some things that were kind of annoying um i thought everyone who was casted did a very good job with what they had and yeah i think it was a fun time very cool how about you james yes uh so you know when you see the trailers for a movie like this you you go into it Kind of having an idea of, like what Scott Sr. said, you kind of have an idea of where it might be going, what you want to expect, uh, and just, you know, in general, how how all it's going to go. And I kind mm-hmm. of went in with maybe not the the highest expectations for it, because it just seemed like a, a typical, you know, Hollywood blockbuster popcorn film, like you said. That's not a bad thing, but I got a little more out of it than I expected. Uh, I did too. The the action is really solid. There there's a few pretty decent performances, and the little like world building tidbits of, uh, like you said earlier, the the people drafted are are dead in the future, so they can't meet themselves. But also, 
the people coming to the past haven't been born yet, so they can't also create a timeline, like Paradox, and uh, all that little stuff. Or at the very beginning of the movie, they basically tell you, yeah, only aim for the throat and the torso. That's the only thing that can kill these things. And that uh, that stays pretty consistent throughout the movie. Um, Oh, yeah. The, the only thing I wished for was I wished we dived a little bit more into certain character dynamics. Like, there, there's a lot of abandonment themes going on where it's like, oh, well, you, you left me and I had to fend for myself. It happens with Chris Pratt's daughter. It happens with Chris Pratt. But they're only ever apologizing for it. There's never a justification or an explanation for why. Like, J.K. Simmons wasn't in Chris Pratt's life, or why Chris Pratt really left. They kind of do it in the beginning when he's like, oh, I just need to do this, my job, and then I'll get back. But he loves his daughter so much, I can't see him actually abandoning her. So so it's interesting. I, I get that, and I think when I was watching it, because I did certainly pick up on that. Yeah. Um, But I, I read it, is more of kind of like a PTSD, you know, because what, what they don't really talk about is, you know, you're there for seven days and then you come back. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he's been there for seven days. He knows the brutal reality of what's coming. And then he comes back and he just, he knows that in 30 years, you know, his daughter's going to be killed. The world's going to end. There's nothing that, you know, he can do. So he kind of spirals out of control and then ends up, you know, you know, what getting killed in a car accident or something like that. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so I, I kind of now I may be wrong, but that's that's what uh, what I did in my mind to address, you know, the situation of like like okay, wait a minute, you love your daughter, why would you leave? But I thought they did a pretty nice job up until the point of where you know he figured out how to save the world, that it was it was hopeless. You know, there, there was nothing yeah. that any, anyone can do. It just, it just seems so hopeless that when he came, when he came back, you just knew that anyone that, you know, came back was just, you know, that their lives were just going to, you know, spiral to nothing. And, and ultimately they're all going to die before it happens. There, there was a point in the future, especially when they were getting towards the end of their tour, where things were getting so hopeless and so disparate that I, I, I almost stopped like getting invested because I knew as always happens in these time travel movies. Okay. So this, this is just not going to happen then. Like we're just going to erase this timeline entirely. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to butt in now. Please go ahead. Um, so my general thoughts of the movie, I think it kind of lives and dies on just how sheer Hollywood the movie is. I would have to agree. It is great. It is greatest strength and its greatest weakness. It is very consistent. It is very. I don't know how to describe a Hollywood movie. It's 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 high production. Mm-hmm. It's solid. It doesn't excel in anything for the most part. It, it yeah. it's, it's above surface level good, and in some parts it's actually even you know it's there's there's one or two things they did really well in, especially with the alien design. And the introduction to the alien themselves being the stairway scene. Like, for, for a good part of the movie, you don't see these things. You just hear 
and you hear what they are, you know, hear people say, oh yeah, these, these things are awful. You see the effects with people missing limbs, eyes, dead people, 30% casualty rates, you know, things like the that. Clicking. That's what I remember yeah, most. Yeah, it, it, it's a very, very well done build up to these creatures and there's a good payoff. These things are terrifying. The design for them are good. When they're in the film, they're, the effects on them are really well done. They actually feel like they take up physical space and when you hit them, you feel it. And that's another positive thing to the movie is the action is fairly good. When I was watching it and like, they had like a swarm sort of mentality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I kept they thinking back to World War Z when they were like swarming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it was very similar to how they acted between the two movies. Like very fast, very malicious, needing to kill and eat. I just like, yeah. I like an overwhelming presence like that. That's why World War Z I enjoy a lot because of the overwhelming presence that the enemy has. The only problem I had with the aliens is they're just a little bit inconsistent with how strong they were. Because there were some points where you could see the humans like just, like move on their limbs, like they're you know, like it's hard, but it's not like the most difficult thing in the world. But you also see them like breaking chains and flinging people like they're nothing. That was the only problem I had with the aliens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think um, they kind of explain that with like, oh, the females are stronger, and we spent a lot of time looking at the females later on. But mm -hmm. yeah, there was a bit of that. Yeah, this, girl power. The, the, the character work. The characters themselves are, for the most part, passable. You have the mm. standard, yes, typical, like uh, Scott uh, Scott Senior was saying, the the comedy relief and whatnot. Uh, in terms of character interactions, the most interesting part of the movie was Chris Pratt and his father. Honestly, I think it was the most developed, yeah. along with Chris Pratt and his daughter. That was the most developed, like trifecta of relationships, and there was an arc to it, which I which I did like. Um, I would have liked to either see a little bit more or develop a little bit more naturally. But overall, I think that was the strongest part of the movie besides the aliens. And overall, a pretty good film that doesn't try too hard to go out of its way to become something special, but still tries hard enough as to which it, you could see they definitely put effort into it. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I had to also sum up my thoughts, pretty similar to what you were saying, Sam, uh, pretty much on the dot. Uh, and I'm gonna probably be repeating uh, a lot of what everybody else said anyway. So, uh, one thing I will, uh, commend this movie for is, yes, the aliens, really terrifying, and I thought that they were a nice change of pace, and logically speaking, I can see how they are hunting humans for food, and actually wanting to constantly feed and the reason for that is because these aliens actually come off as more feral because the thing with uh alternate depictions of aliens wanting to come to earth and take it over for the sake of like harvesting humans or harvesting the planet itself is that they usually tend to be humanoid and uh, something I didn't think about until watching this movie with how the aliens are more feral and more animalistic is in other depictions where the aliens are more humanoid and very clearly advanced. Something I was thinking about was, you know, if we're supposed to believe that they're like advanced enough to where they can do all this, that, this and this, 
you would think that they would be advanced enough to be similar enough to us where they found new um, advancements in uh, using what we already have in terms of resources um, economically and, and safely, of course, and better sustain themselves because uh, oftentimes they, they usually come to Earth for something that they just want to take. And granted, that could also come from a sense of superiority, but uh, I thought because that these are just animals, they aren't actually, technically speaking, sentient, you know, they, they don't seem to be all that intelligent to the point where they can rival humans. It's interesting that you said animalistic because, like, you see in certain shots that they're, like, chasing wildlife and hunting them down and eating, mm -hmm. like, horses in one shot or, like, you know, like, they're, their only prey isn't just humans. Like, they go after anything that moves, basically. Yeah. Uh, just real quick. The, the, I want to uh, get out my negatives of the movie. The major negatives of the movie, to me personally, are uh, kind of the inconsistency with the message we're supposed to be about with Chris Pratt's character. Because it's uh, yeah. really pressed into him throughout the movie that, hey, you can't save everyone. Stop trying to save everyone. Do what you can. It's over for us. Save yourselves kind of thing. And that was addressed with the, uh, I can't remember the black guy's name, I apologize. The, the badass who went to three tours of duty. He, he really stressed this oh, yeah, point yeah, to yeah. him. And it stressed throughout the entire film to him, like, hey, you can't save everybody. And the, the epicenter of this is at the end where he's got the bio, the, spoiler warning, he's got the, uh, the super serum to kill all the aliens or whatnot. And his daughter says, hey, it's too late for this timeline. It's over. There's no saving it now. Because we, we're the last bastion of humanity. Go back in time, save your own timeline. You are the only way to save us now. And at the end, he still tries to save his daughter when she falls off that bridge into like the, the, the big wave of aliens. And he still jumps to save her, even though if he dies, it's all over for his timeline too. Mm -hmm. And I think it would have been a little bit more, if, I don't know, impactful if he actually just tried to save himself. Like he learned his lessons like, I can't save her, it's too late, but I can save what I still have in my timeline. Right. And that was kind of like my major gripe with the movie. Kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, and I mean, if we're talking uh, inconsistencies, uh, I, I also thought that tonally this movie was sometimes a, a little inconsistent because it paints a very, very bleak uh, scenario for the human race. The stuff that they're put up against is also very daunting and it leads to a a sense of hopelessness for a lot of the time and yet not too long after we go through these sorts of sequences uh we get more jokey quips uh here and there not only from chris pratt for, but from uh from a bunch of other people and i i think uh sometimes it was borderline um tonality whiplash and uh for for a lot of those really hopeless times especially when um the future version of his daughter dies and he goes back to the past that moment you can tell that he's supposed to be like oh geez there, there's no point and feeling very helpless and and has no clue what to do in terms of how to figure things out or do anything to prevent the extinction of the human race but then shortly after that uh he, yeah again back to quips and I don't think he, he went far enough with selling the emotional 
responses in a lot of those cases. I mean, he's he's definitely in a role where he is uh, needing to go a little further uh, emotionally. Um, I think that's what makes his time in this movie rather unique. But I, I think he still needs a little bit of extra work if he's going to do another one in the future. But uh, yeah, uh, Tomorrow War. I would say I recommend this for people to check out, uh, even though more than likely if you have Amazon Prime, you probably already have. <laughs> but if you have been passing on it, uh, I would say check it out. Definitely. So, so I got a question for you guys. Yes. Mm -hmm. This, setting aside the, you know, just the review of the film, the film itself. Now, I think we can all agree this was, this was, you know, with a $200 million budget, this was supposed to be a theatrical release. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. How do you, how do you guys feel about what Hollywood is doing, you know, by, you know, pairing up with your, your Amazons, your HBOs, to release these films on the smaller screen, knowing full well that they can't possibly make the money back that they had originally projected when they greenlit the film itself. Mm -hmm. Probably, uh, to answer your question, I think it's gonna be great. For, for me, it's a nice thing in the short run, but probably an awful thing in the long run, because hey, I get to watch it. So, I mean, that's pretty dope. I don't have to go yeah. to certain illegal websites in minecraft to access these movies for <laughs> not free in minecraft um but i can see this being kind of a problem in the long run though because it, it it starts off it always starts off with like oh hey this is easy this is accessible and it's not too expensive but i got a feeling that they're going to turn it into something nastier kind of like almost like disney plus and oh hey this is a streaming mm -hmm. service for movies but you have to pay for this movie in addition to your subscription that's what the I've heard about in the long run. That could be the new norm, and that's not as cool either. No. The other problem you get is... The other problem you get into is that when you have all of these different streaming services uh, constantly having, oh, here's this exclusive show, this exclusive movie, this exclusive miniseries, you start to spread yourself too thin, and not everyone... <laughs> Not everyone is going to own Paramount Plus. Not everyone is going to own Apple TV Plus. Not everyone is going to own HBO Max. Uh, so what you end up doing is when you start pushing these exclusive releases on all these different uh, services, um, it cuts off how many people can actually see it, and therefore you earn way less money. Which, granted, that also comes into the whole... Uh, problem with having so many different streaming services for basically every uh, sub branch of a studio known to man. It, it, it's 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 a tricky thing. On one hand, they really should, especially now because the pandemic has calmed down and people can actually go out now because they're vaccinated. They should mainly focus on theatrical releases because uh, logically that's the best way to earn back your money. Uh, and it's not like they aren't making money at the theater. Uh, Fast and the Furious 9, <laughs> which, by the way, I think I'll cover on the next episode. Uh, I saw that. A lot of fun. It's, it's, it's selling like gangbusters. And granted, that's, that's, that's Fast and the Furious. It, it's a very easy film to Fairly. earn that kind of money with. But I, I, I can't see it making that similar amount of money on Paramount+, Plus, which I believe is what it would have been 
released on. I don't think it's honest. It's not on a streaming service. It's exclusive to theaters, so that's probably why it's making so much money. Well, that's good. <laughs> As opposed Frankly. to Black Widow, like making a quarter of it in theaters and like seventy five percent. Yeah, I mean that's a bit plus. of a harder sell anyway, though. But I mean, kind like of. the comparisons is there. Is yes, what I'm saying of like course. Marvel movie that's on both a streaming service and in theaters. Of course, people are going to watch it at home versus Fast and Furious just a movie in theaters and people everyone going to see it. Obviously, it's going to make more money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Fast and Furious also was a test for Hollywood because you know if you think of how Warner Brothers is you know is releasing its its big films on HBO and of course Disney with Marvel. <clears throat> What's interesting is um, just last week in Variety, they had, uh, you know, somebody had written that uh, um, both of those, you know, were, you know, Black Widow did really well the first weekend, did did okay in the theaters, you know, made sixty million on Disney Plus, you know, people, you know, coughing up the thirty dollars to, you know, to borrow the movie for, yeah. you know, a day and a half, which is just annoying. Um, mm-hmm. But the problem is. The second week, it bottomed out. So what Disney actually said um, is that uh, they're not going to do that anymore. They're just, if it's going to be a theatrical release, they're going to leave it as a theatrical release. Because they realize that people are going to be super excited about it for the first week. Mm -hmm. Wherein, you know, when when you can only see it in the theater, if you don't go the first week, you go the second week. There's always a drop-off, but if the film is successful, like, you know, F9 was... You know, it only dropped like 30% as opposed to Black Widow that dropped 80% or, or 70%. 80? <clears throat> that was crazy. I was just going to say, people are super eager to leave their houses again. So I think we spent a whole year on basically nothing but streaming services. So they're starting to lose their splendor, too. Yeah. It's, it's funny how... Black Widow is now doing poorly, and Space Jam overtook it in week two. In <laughs> oh no, that's right. <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for later. Uh, we'll cover that one too. Uh, Scott and I both watched that, and Sam watched. I uh, think what the first a wonderful hour. trash fire that was. Later, oh, though. Later. Yeah. later, 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 obviously. But now we have to talk about a better movie. Yeah, a much better movie. Yes, yes. indeed. Disney's cousin. Uh, Dreamworks. I'm not good at these segues. I'm sorry. Yes. I did my best. Good. You one day, one day you'll be up to James and I level. One day. <laughs> well, we get to that portion of the uh, the show where we uh, cover our recommended film in the rotation. This time around, being Scott Jr. Now, Scott Jr., you picked a little film from uh, 2010, uh, which knowing that I. I shouldn't feel old, but I do anyway, so it's a little bit of a conundrum. Um, tell us about Megamind, uh, both what it's about and why you picked it. Megamind is a DreamWorks animated movie starring Will Ferrell. He plays the very, uh, I'm trying to think of the word here, uh, stereotypical villain. The I want to fight the bad guy. Um, every chance I get, I'm going to go to jail, but I'm going to come out again and fight him again. But I know I'm going to lose because, you know, villain. And basically, it devolves into, it's been a long time, so obviously I'm going to drop spoilers. He succeeds in uh, defeating the hero and basically 
takes over the city and is sort of conflicted because he feels he has no purpose. Right. Right. When you're uh, when you're a villain for that long, fighting the uh, hero over and over again, it, it, it kind of uh, is a sudden change of pace when he's not around anymore. Yeah, and I picked this movie because I thought it was a very good character piece on how someone who is destined for villainy doesn't always want to end as a villain. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, why'd you pick it? But like because it's a good movie. But I already said, I already said why. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, what what made you think of this one? We want to get really specific. Oh, why I thought of this? Uh, mostly because it, it's just it was one of my favorite movies growing up. There you go. Same with Lords of Dogtown. There we go. That okay. one. Um, and I just thought it'd be very interesting for us to cover it because it poses a lot of questions. No, that's that's true. And I mean, hey. We actually kind of welcome recommending movies that we have a bit of history with because it's a good way of telling whether it stands the test of time and holds up decently. Which, hey, if Lords of Dogtown has anything to go off of, uh, good pick. Mm-hmm. Very good pick. Uh, general thoughts, gentlemen. Holds up very well. Uh, yes. Yes, it does. Uh, anyway, if I sorry. can start, sorry, it's, sorry, sorry. Ooh, it's it's solid. It's it's pretty solid. It's It's goofy. At the right times, it's uh, decently uh, emotional when it has to be, but not overbearing to where it becomes uh, just misery central. And I thought the main thing with the film is that it is about a character that is set up to be evil, suddenly realizing maybe I, 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 I don't have to be, or uh, maybe I don't have a choice, and that's all I know kind of going against a lot of the different factors in life that tell him he has to be something when really he can be what he chooses to be and i think that is by far the most effective part about it while still uh it, even if you're not uh, uh paying attention to that it's still just entertaining to look at i mean this this is this is a master class of like a 3d animation oh yeah honestly uh, mm-hmm. the, the animation holds up very well, too. A lot of good slapstick from here and there. I, I was laughing quite consistently. I loved it. And the soundtrack was solid. All right. I, mean, I guess my feelings are pretty similar. It's it's just an overall good movie. It begins and ends just good. It's it's, it's consistent. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty funny. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't like laughing out loud to all the jokes, but it, it was just it was well written. It was funny it was very well animated it really does hold up and is a good example of 3d effects DreamWork. keep doing what you do mm-hmm. for as long as you can do it uh <laughs> um overall just, just a solid movie it was a very I, I like the idea that flips the conventional like you know superman origin story like oh hey there's two of them and i don't know just like i said i i, I don't I don't want you to take my lack of things to say about the movie as an indication that it was bad anyway. Mm-hmm. It was just good. <laughs> I mean, watch it. If you are in the mood for a lighthearted film with some decent messages, good 3D, uh, a very good example of 3D animation, It watch Megamind. It's just a fun movie. Mm-hmm. I, I have a lot to say about this movie, if it might surprise you. Um, most of it I'll say for once we get a little more into spoilers, but... This 
if we can go back to the 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 previous mega session we did, this is the superhero dynamics I look for. This is the the cheesy, like cartoony supervillain versus superhero kind of stuff that I love. I can mm-hmm. never get enough of this stuff, and I love this kind of setting, this this world, and uh, as you said, the it, it's kind of a character study of just a lot of the the generic tropes, but also the the unique personalities that they've made up for this. And uh, again, without getting too heavy into spoilers, we, we've had a lot of like takes on quote unquote bad Superman like uh, Brendan Breyer from Brightburn or Omni-Man or uh, Homelander. I think Metro Man is the best deconstruction of like a Superman-type character that that we have had. And I'll get into why again when we get into spoilers. Uh, but Scott Sr., you, you have not said much on this film, so please, the floor is yours. Well, I, I agree with you know pretty much what the general consensus is it's a fun movie mm-hmm. um you know it's uh you know it, it what 11 years ago when it came out it probably was you know a little fresher i think um because i watched mm-hmm. it again you know yesterday and you know it it's funny because will ferrell I, i'll you know when he was younger we'll say you know 10 years you know 15 years ago Mm-hmm. was just much more enjoyable than he is today. And as, as crazy as it sounds, in today's world when I'm watching this, <clears throat> you know, I'm like, you know, when he did, you know, Talladega Nights, or he did this, um, or he did Elf, he, it was just much, in my opinion, it was much more enjoyable. And as strange as it sounds in watching this movie, I totally didn't do my, you know, given suspension of disbelief. There were a few moments where I just kept saying, "Boy, he was so funny back then," mm-hmm. and it took mm-hmm. it took me out of the film, you know. So, um, you know, so I again, I, I really enjoyed it, but it, it didn't it didn't last for me maybe the way it as it you know it did for you guys. Okay. Does a lot of that uh, come down to the fact that you feel some of his older material was uh, better quality? You know, I don't know if it's better quality. I I have the same the same belief about you know Adam Sandler. Yeah. You know the mm. earlier films that he did. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, they're silly, they're crazy, they're goofy, they're stupid, whatever. But as you know, as, as these guys get older, I'm sure that they're you know looking for different opportunities to stretch their legs, to do different characters, to you know to try different things. The problem is, you know. For me personally, I fell in love with you because you're this. All right. And if you're all of a sudden going to try to be serious, if that doesn't work for me, then it doesn't work for me. I get that. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, and for, for some reason, um, now a, a lot of it is, frankly, I think in, in Will, Will Ferrell's case, because he still, you know, plays a, a kind of a goofy character um, in, in more recent films. Uh, personally, I just haven't liked them. They were just not good movies. I have not either. Yeah, you know. But uh, whereas these films back, what 10, 15 you know, years ago, they're just they're just clever. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and maybe there, there's you know only so long 
you can take a joke. You know, because if you if you think Perhaps, of like yeah. Talladega Nights or if you think of this film, his character really wasn't that different. And I'm not talking about, you know, from the South driving cars or, a, you know, supervillain. Both of them were dumb. Bo- both of them were kind of goofy characters that that weren't quite with it and did stupid things because they're just dumb. But they were enjoyable. You know, so I, I don't know. It, 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 you know, for me, it's it uh, again, I enjoyed it, but it for some reason, it kind of took me out. What took me out of the enjoyment is just thinking, like, you know, isn't it a shame that he can't make funny movies anymore? God, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the Jim Carrey effect. Exactly. Yeah, Jim, Jim, Jim Carrey is another perfect example. You know, and, and maybe it's maybe it's just a comedian, you know, uh, example of, of these guys do really funny things, but they're looking at it going, well, I don't want to be a guy, so I'm going to try something different. I mean, think of, you know, um, what's the name? Shrek. Uh, Mike Myers. Mm-hmm. Oh, you Mike know, Myers. Yeah. Oh, geez. He, he did some really, really funny stuff. Then he did some terrible things. And then he just kind of went on vacation for the last one. I mean, Love Guru mm-hmm. basically killed it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) that did it. And, you know, I think the reoccurring theme behind a lot of these comedic actors that just suddenly start going with material that is just lesser compared to their older stuff um, and just isn't as funny. I think it's just because at some point they started receiving um, uh, ideas for movies or scripts or something like that that very clearly were nowhere as clever as their older stuff and they just rolled with it and because of that it it, it took them down a road of consistently just eh kind of comedies and mm-hmm. and all that I think that's what happened and granted I mean in a couple of the other uh, examples cases it, uh, change in personal politics I think also had a, a hand in that uh, particularly with Jim Carrey. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, with me comparing Megamind to some of uh, other Will Ferrell endeavors, I think it's up there. Not the greatest, but I think it's better than some of the stuff that's come out today. I am looking at you, Sherlock and Holmes. Yes. Yeah, that one was a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Quite. Well, with that out of the way, I think we should go into spoilers for this because something I remember very distinctly was that I saw uh, trailers for it all over the place back in the day. And what happened in all of them was that, uh, (laughs) and this is where the biggest one comes in, um, nowhere in the trailers did it say that uh, Metro Man, uh, quote-unquote, dies and the whole rest of the movie is centered on Megamind trying to essentially create his own superhero. Uh, yes. That being um, Titan. Which, frankly, is one of the funniest parts of the story and also the most interesting. Yes. Because um, this whole conundrum is that, okay, he beat the superhero. He now has what he was shooting for initially, that being taking over Metro City, which he uh, exclusively refers to as Matrocity. He, he pronounces words how they should be pronounced if English language was consistent, which it 100% is not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, right. He's, he's selectively intelligent. He, he has yeah. a massive 
uh, intellect and and uh, brain power, as you can tell by his massive head. Um, He's mega it's mind, when it if comes you will. to Earth culture, he is very dim-witted when it comes to that. Uh, because all he knows is being evil and also uh, being as intelligent as possible. And, you know, he starts to feel empty on the inside because all of a sudden it's just like, well, now I don't have a hero to fight. He was the only one, and now what else is there? Uh, so then he comes up with the idea of creating a superhero, um, which uh, backfires immensely as the film goes on, mm -hmm. uh, while also trying to uh, be in a relationship with a reporter, uh, Roxanne, which... I think the first thing that should be mentioned is that the the supporting cast is is pretty solid. Uh, it, it ain't just Will Ferrell putting on a good show. I think everybody does a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which, similar to Tomorrow War, also had J.K. Simmons in it. <laughs> yeah, a bit more of a bit part, but it's he, interesting uh, coincidence. Yeah, he runs the circuit. Mm-hmm. He he is a pro when it comes to supporting characters. Honestly, uh, which, by the way, uh, who was your guys's uh, favorite supporting characters? Out of curiosity, I uh, I I really loved uh, Hal Stewart. He's just consistently an idiot. Like yes. the 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 gimmick of he comes up with this grand title for him, Titan. You know the 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 massive creatures that defied even the gods, and he thinks it's Titan. Like, you shrunk your clothes and they're too tight. Or um, <laughs> right. the the entire time where he's got, like, Space Dad clearly, you know, referencing uh, a, a Jor-El uh, teaching Superman. And the whole time he's just, like, mm -hmm. farting around. Or even the fact that his name is a combination of two Green Lanterns, Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of good comic booky stuff going on there, and uh, there's just a lot of fun in general. Although <laughs> sometimes he flies around as if he's driving a car. Yeah. Although again, a Metro <laughs> Man is a very close second, and I'll I'll detail that a bit later because I want to give someone mm -hmm. else a chance to talk. I mean, in terms of my favorite supporting character, it's probably Ritzy, the reporter. She's oh, just... Roxanne. I, oh, Roxanne. I don't know why I said Ritzy. Um. <laughs> Roxanne Ritchie. Yes. That's What's it. Her full name. Lois Lane. Roxanne Ritchie. You, I just know. loved how absolutely beautifully ordinary she was. In a in a world where people right. are just crazy, she's just that rock in the middle just pointing out the obvious shit. And I just like that. Oh, she's been through the same song and dance for God knows how long, and she's just calling it out as she goes. Yeah, but she was definitely yeah. my favorite. Well that and also she she wasn't trying all that hard to like express that she just sort of said it as it is you know yeah mm -hmm. I, I i think that's uh that's where it makes her in particular rather um unique compared to uh other um love interest characters in in movies like this mm -hmm. that and also she she actually uh, provided a decent amount in terms of progressing the plot she was pretty smart on her own Mm -hmm. And didn't have to, uh, well, aside from the climax, she didn't have to um, rely on anybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the movie is basing itself on a lot of superhero tropes. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. You know, Roxanne Ritchie is very clearly the Lois Lane type character, so it's natural that she gets kidnapped all the time, and without superpowers, she can't really do a lot. But the mm-hmm. she displays like a thousand percent more competence than these characters usually have. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and going back to my thoughts on uh, Metro Man, he kind of ties the the basic themes of the movie together. They mention destiny a lot. But mm, me as a yeah. person, I don't believe in destiny. Destiny is just the expectations other people put upon you. And the fact that he says... He he named himself after the city. He's Metro Man. I doubt he chose that for himself. And clearly, he didn't choose any of that life for himself. He's the best, like, bad Superman. Because... He's not a bad guy. He just is tired of his job. And is that he's really... also very egotistical? Yes, but is that really that selfish to want to put your life on the hold for the entirety of a city, day after day? Which inevitably leads him to uh, fake his death just so that he can uh, have the life that he uh, he wants to have. And it should also be pointed out. I love that his passion is music, and he is genuinely terrible at it, but he's having fun. Oh, yeah, he still enjoys it. Like, that's regardless. very human to me. Oh, definitely. Actually, I thought Which... I thought his music was really good. It reminds me of Scotty. Mm, okay. <laughs> oh, Scotty, you do play guitar, Scotty. Maybe you are a music man. Thanks. Oh, sorry. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no. Check those terms of service. <laughs> there is an interesting part to this and, and I didn't realize it actually until just now I was looking up the cast um, because mm. I was trying to trying to think who Minion was did you realize that there was not a Megamind 2 yes they actually had, thank god they, they did they didn't make a sequel and yet this was such a I mean you know made what almost 400 million dollars back in 2010 oh, yeah. which is you know pretty significant mm-hmm. kind of surprising um and that's just the u.s but it's kind of surprising that they didn't make a sequel no they yeah, it is they did do what a lot of dreamworks films do or they made like little mini animated stuff but they weren't full-on sequels yeah they were more just like supplementary stuff yeah and i don't know i i i mean on one hand i would not be opposed to having more material with these characters uh because they're just established pretty damn well um the only thing that i think perhaps had a hand in not having a sequel was because they they didn't want this to be a franchise of things that consistently keep coming out they wanted it to be its own self-contained story and on one hand i can understand that uh for example a lot of people really want a sequel to the iron giant uh deep down a part of me also wants a sequel to the iron giant but i know that frankly for what it is I, I, I don't know. I think it should just stay as it, it, its own thing. Shove that part of you deep, deep into the dark bowels of your mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's one Iron Giant, and it's going to stay that way. I would do not yes. wish to sell that poor child into prostitution of Hollywood. <laughs> I wanted a sequel to Treasure Planet, but we never got one. Oh, now see, Treasure Planet, that, that that's an interesting one. And I think one of these days we'll definitely cover it. But that's one where, because of its concept... 
I think that could be one. And it really does come down to the concept. Does it lend itself to big enough world building that it justifies a sequel, you know? Well, yeah, but I guess part of me thinks, though, when... All right, Iron Giant was an entire story. It had a beginning, Mm -hmm. a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you think of when I think of this, I think of like a Shrek um, or something like that. The the story is so open ended, meaning that it's so easy to make a sequel. Um, and and I, you know, I guess I'm just I'm I'm surprised that Hollywood didn't prostitute itself by <laughs> just make you know or, or Will Ferrell, yeah. you know, just saying uh, okay, I can make another you know twenty million dollars. Um, I, that that actually surprises me. Now today, I don't think it would work because it's been eleven years. But yeah, I'm you know, it's one of those things where I enjoyed Megamind, but the, it had had there been a sequel, I probably don't know that I would have seen it. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's it's just kind of interesting to me that that the being that this is you know, it's a in essence a Spielberg Katzberg film, you know, coming out through DreamWorks. It, you know, it's it's just surprising to me that 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 when they created this, somebody wasn't smart enough to say, "Let's put in everybody's contract that if it does really well, we're going to do a sequel." Because mm-hmm. um, the the reality is the the reason they didn't do a sequel is because nobody, when they created this, I think they were short sighted, maybe didn't anticipate it being as successful as it was. Um, because you know, who, who wouldn't want another two, three hundred million dollars? You know, as, as a studio, I'm sure the studio would right. love to do it. So the reason they can't do it is because the talent is pretty much saying, no, I only signed up for one. They made Thank three God. Madagascar movies and not another Megamind. <laughs> well, trash compounds on itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, because apparently I- I've heard that those Madagascar sequels are actually pretty solid from what people The second one's pretty me. good. I-, I can't say. Okay. Yeah. I do apologize okay. for the random tangent, but all these talks of animation movies wants me to highlight what my next movie uh what my movie ah, recommendation yes. is yes because I, I really like That's this theme of that. animation and i would like to continue with something i've only recently truly discovered myself a little a little movie maybe you heard of it before 1995's cyberpunk masterpiece ghost in the shell Ooh. oh my yeah if you, oh my, I'm going to have fun with this. You, you, we you might have, have no to push. Idea. We cannot add any movies to this one. It's just going to be this. And it's going to be a long episode. Oh, yes, it is. Oh my god. This will be my first time seeing Ghost in the Shell. Hell yeah, well, there we prepare go. prepare to be fucking amazed. Alrighty. Well, um, with that uh, wonderful revelation... Uh, I, I think to, uh, just to close things out, um, it sounds like recommendations all around for uh, Megamind, yes? Oh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Megamind. Go and watch it. And if you got yourself some kids, I recommend you watch it with them. It is definitely a film that holds up uh, after uh, many rewatches. Uh, and it is solid for what it sets out to do. Uh, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, this has been our insightful moment. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, Scott Sr., for joining us as well. Mm -hmm. It was a pleasure, guys. I enjoyed doing it.
Yes, we enjoyed your company. You honestly brought a lot of really good discussion. Mm -hmm. Watching Megamind with you was mega fine. Hey. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. You know what? Okay, I'll, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna okay. stop my recording it's, now and pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, let's 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 kick Sam out of here and say goodbye, everybody. Bye bye, everybody. Bye. -bye. bye, -bye.